Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast number 346. Uh, recording on, is it the 27th? Yeah, recording April 22nd, 2015. Uh, let's see. You can uh, email us at podcast.pcpro.com if you have anything to email us. It's been God knows how long since we've gotten an email at that address, I think. So you guys should probably do that. Uh, anyway, um, you can uh, see all the show notes for these and uh, as well as uh, previous podcasts at pcpro.com slash podcast. And I guess just uh, let's start pimping the spam list right away. Here you go. If you want to know, we are about to record one of these shows. You can go to pcpro.com slash subscribe and you put your name and your email in there. And uh, really the only thing we use that for is just to email out a little blast before we record live events. So that's all that's for. We don't spam it really other than that. Ryan always gets like up in arms when he gets a notification that someone unsubscribed from that. Like right after they subscribed to it like a week earlier. It's like, that's all it is. We're telling you we're doing a show. Anyway. Uh, I guess let's just get right into it, huh, guys? Sure, get into it. Yeah, we got we got Josh cool. here. We got Sebastian. We got the Canadian. I mean, Jeremy. Here's the story <laughs> of five really strange guys. <laughs> I don't know what this new format is, but I like it. Yeah, we're just you know, it's called Wing It with Malvin Tano. Wing It Wednesday. Wing It Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so first up. In the week in review is uh, me. I reviewed some PCIe SSDs. Some PCIe SSDs that companies later called me asking me how we got. That's that's a good scoop right there. When the company themselves wants to know how you got it. Anyway. Um, what, they don't sell them? Uh, that's the thing. They don't. <laughs> um, so we reviewed... Uh, there had been other reviews coming out... Uh, People got their hands on like an XP941 and an SM951, and we happen to get kind of all three. I say three, not just two, because there's an NVMe version of the SM951 as well as an AHDI version. Um, and so I just got them all together just by some kind of luck and perfect storm of random hardware that it was coming through the office that happened to have those SSDs in those devices. Uh, so I just liberated them accordingly and plugged them into my storage test bed and did some testing. Um, so the NVMe version of the SM951 is basically Samsung's fastest PCIe uh, M.2 SSD that they make. They make a regular PCI Express card, but that's definitely like a way, way enterprise product. I'd be surprised if anybody got that anytime in the near future. But as far as M.2 goes, that's something that you might see start trickling down into some OEM type devices. Um, Ryan had a what was it, uh, X1 Carbon, the new version of the X1 Carbon, uh, that came to him with an AHCI version of the SM951, and uh, we might as well let the secret out. We had an Intel Nook come in, like a new one, uh, and Intel was trying to test it out with NVMe booting devices, and it has an M.2 slot, so that's the product that they put in it, and then they happened to send it to us, and, well, it was fair game once it made it here, so we tested it. Um, moving into all the results, though, I'm just going to like let the cat out of the bag right away. That whole SSD 750 thing that we thought was breathing fire and really like kicking the crap out of everything, um, it kind of got beaten a little bit by this. Um, so the SM951, the NVMe version, uh, the specs are not higher than 
the SSD 750. But the controller is a little quicker when it comes to like consumer kind of workloads uh, that you might that you might see. So, Ken, you need me to zoom in or? All right. So, uh, if I scroll down through some of these results, let's see. File creation test. All right. So, uh, the SSD 750 is purple, and if you look at the purple lines on this graph versus the top, the next three up, which is like the kind of neon green, red, and white. Uh, you'll see that the Samsung PCIe SSDs are actually beating uh, the Intel SSD 750, especially the NVMe version of the SM951 is beating it pretty much in everything, right? Um, so that's kind of good to know, right? And then you go to file copy, and it's not necessarily beating it there because file copies is more of a queued uh, kind of a thing where the SM951 can ramp up a little bit more at higher higher queue depths. But when it comes to like small file accesses or accessing things at really low queue depths in just like small file transfer kind of workloads, which again is more of a client thing than uh, you would expect to like in an enterprise kind of uh, setting, SM951 was actually clean in house. Um, and then when you go to like uh, your sequential reads and sequential writes, the SM951 is actually on par with the G-Skill Phoenix Blade in sequential reads. So you're looking at like almost 2 gig per second. Granted, it's not the 2.6 gig per second we saw out of the uh, uh, out of the SSD 750, but still pretty good, right? And then uh, the writes are... This one's a little bit confusing because the uh, AHCI version of the 951 is actually rated higher than the NVMe version. So you see a red line like you know, 1.5 gig per second versus 1.2 or so uh, for the NVMe version. But that's like a spec difference. I think maybe they did it to try to minimize how much it ran into thermal throttling limits, that kind of thing, right? Because this is an M.2 SSD, does get kind of warm, doesn't have a heat sink on it. Um, but the really cool chart to look at is right here on the random stuff. Let's look for... Yeah, that guy right there. So purple line here, which goes all the way up to a little bit over 200,000 IOPS, is the SSD 750, but you'll notice that white line is very not far behind it at all, right? Um, basically, uh, scaling up to roughly the same value, but it takes another couple of multiples worth of Q-depth to get there, but this is an M.2 SSD that still is able to get to close to the same level of single-threaded worker performance of the uh, SSD 750. So, pretty good, actually. Um, you know, So it's able to peg a CPU core on our storage testbed just like the SSD 750 was. It just took it a little bit longer to get there. Um, How many channels of flash does the 951 have? Because I know the 750 is, what, 20? The 750 is 18 channels. 18. And we don't actually have, like, numbers yeah. on the SM951. I would imagine it's eight. You know, just looking at the number of flash packages and like just how it's laid out. So significantly less, but yeah, significantly <laughs> less uh, flash channels to work with there. But again, performance pretty darn good. Um, and then when it gets even better, is that you're getting a similar performance. I'm not going to say the same because the SSD 750 is still you know a little bit faster here. But if you compare these two Addo runs, for those familiar with Addo, is uh, the thing to look for is, you know, if a drive ramps up to high speed quicker, 
like sooner in the run. In other words, it's able to get to full speed with smaller file I.O. And you'll see you have a SST 750. Kind of takes a while to ramp up on the reads there. And then if you scroll down a little bit and you look at the 951, it hits top speed, like its relative top speed, much faster. Granted, it's not going the full 2.5 gig per second that the SSD 750 is, but it's going pretty darn fast. Um, and then the coolest part is the power consumption. So white line is 750, red line is the SM951 NVMe. It's basically half, regardless of what the workload is. The 951 is drawing half the power as the 750 and doing roughly the same thing. So, pretty interesting stuff there. Now, if only you can buy one of these, that would be great. Because there's a lot of people that want to buy one of these, even though they might not even... That, that's actually, it was kind of confusing in our comments for this. Uh, a lot of people want it. Not everybody realizes that your motherboard might not support it. Right? Because you have to have NVMe boot support. More on that a little bit later in the podcast. And if you buy it, Samsung will phone you up and ask why you got it. Uh, yeah. Is there but, a specific product that it's known to ship in? No, none yet. I don't hmm. know. We don't know if uh, we don't know for sure if it's going to come with that Nook. No, it won't. Probably not. Right? No, it won't. Since Nooks are bare bones, it won't ship with that. Okay. Uh, so there you go. That was the closest thing to anything that we saw it coming in. There's some. Was that product. If you Google with a very specific product product number, I saw some listings today start to appear. Yeah. And a cut like. I think a week and a half ago, Samsung announced they were in mass production. So, I don't know, like maybe a month, we might see these start to come out. But they're still yeah. OEM-type parts that are going to be difficult to find and from weird vendors, not Newegg, probably. I could be yeah. wrong on this. but Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be similar to any other weird OEM-specific internal SSD that you'd seen come out, right? Like, it's you know, you're just going to have to look for it just based on the part number string. The, the old days of the uh, HP Intel X25Ms? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it used to be like that, too. Um, and you can, you know, you used to be able to Google those numbers. Um, so, uh, some other sites that reviewed uh, the the uh, XP941, SM951, and the AHCI form. Um, people, I, I know in Antech, I know Christian and Antech ran into one issue, and there was another site that ran into it as well, where uh, the SSD hit thermal throttling limits where, you know, you're hitting it with a, a continuous workload and all of a sudden it just basically slows to a crawl for a few seconds and then it goes back to full speed. That's how that's how these, um, these all three of these SSDs handle thermal throttle limits. But as long as you have any kind of decent amount of airflow, um, with decent airflow, that's the highest temperature we saw on the NVMe SM951 on basically... Oh, that's Fahrenheit, right? That's Fahrenheit, 156. Um, I was worried there for a second. Yeah, it has to get like another 20 degrees hotter than that to actually start throttling throttling itself. So as long as you have any kind of airflow across it, uh, chances are it won't hit its limit. Um, And we had some people comment on the article on this as well saying, hey, you know, you should test this for what if it's in a laptop. And well, the counter to that is you're never going to know exactly how much airflow is going across this in any particular platform, right? Just depending on if it happens to be close to the fan in the laptop or not, or if the fan's not running. Um, and above all that, uh, the SSD just sitting on a storage test bed with no airflow going across it, nothing, nothing forced at least, um, with just regular kind of workloads, just installing a piece of software on it or you know, just kind of things you would do in a laptop. 
uh, it never hit that thermal throttle limit. You have to literally be hitting it with a synthetic benchmark for like a minute or two for it to actually heat up enough for that to happen. So unless you just want to sit there on your laptop and benchmark the crap out of your SSD that your OS is on, um, it's, you know, it's not really a concern that you're going to hit thermal throttle limits on these. Uh, but that's it for that. Um, seems pretty good. We want them to be like, you know, mass produced and sold. And I think Samsung needs to put like a retail product name on it. Call it like a nine nine forty pro or something or, Oh, come on. We could go back to the old classic way of naming stuff after the engineers. Uh, it would be far less confusing again. So, I mean, and the, the only thing that I think that would be, be better than this even is this is not even using VNAND. And so VNAND caused such a jump in Samsung SATA SSDs when they switched to that. I couldn't even imagine an NVMe M.2 SSD from them with their 32-layer VNAND on it. That would just be, like, insane. Let's put it in an add-in board and get some more speed out of it, right? It's more, more flash chips to spread rates over. Yeah, well, I mean, they haven't they have an add in card style that's NVMe, but also using the planar NAND from them. But that's just one of those. I forget what the part number is for it, but it's just one of those that it's like really, really enterprise only, and like not going to accidentally show up here in some other product for us to be able to test. Anyway, uh, enough babbling from me. Moving on, more babbling, more babbling, just from someone else. Uh, Asus eBook X two hundred five TA review, hundred ninety nine dollar yes. Windows laptop. One ninety nine. One ninety nine. That's the key. That's Thank the key you. to the whole thing. That's pretty cheap. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's. I I'll, I'll I won't spend too much time on this because I really would. I want to hear what you guys think of this thing. So I'll give you kind of a brief overview. Um, thing is because this is a hundred ninety nine dollar laptop, and there's a couple of of popular like $200 laptops on the market right now running Windows 8.1 with Bing. Uh, there's this one, and then there's one from HP, which is the Stream, the HP Stream 11, both $199. they are both available at the Microsoft Store directly, so you can get the Signature Edition, which is the one that I got, so it doesn't have any junkware or anything on it. And they're both 11-inch laptops. They have that same screen resolution of like a MacBook Air. So it's 1366 by 768. You're going to have trade-offs. That's kind of what I want to hear what you guys think. Like the trade-offs they had to make to get it down to this price. Because you, you've got a, a a processor that we'll be talking about here in a few minutes. Not to give anything away, but it's got the Bay Trail Z3735F. It's a 1.33 gigahertz base quad core atom processor basically um so it's really low power this thing is only rated it's like scenario design power is 2.2 volts it's very low power which really watts? helps it get fantastic battery life oh, 2.2 watts yeah, yeah that's that SDP, is pretty not tdp that is pretty low holy crap that's low yeah and like for example i'll just to give you some of the performance, uh, like the battery performance in this thing, and I'd initially forgotten to include it in the review for some reason, but I added it today. Using the PC per battery test with this thing on Wi-Fi, I had the screen brightness cranked all the way up to 100% because the screen isn't that bright and kind of trying to estimate Lux uh, output. I had it at somewhere like 160, even at 100%, so I left it there, and it ran for almost eight straight hours 
before it finally shut off. Oh, and crap. just constantly going full screen brightness, refreshing web pages. So very unrealistic scenario. And I have seen reports of it anywhere from 10 to 12 hour battery life to standard. And I totally believe it because mixed usage, you know, using it throughout the day, this thing could easily last you all day. And it's very lightweight, weighs a couple of pounds, and it's like 2.15 or 2.2 pounds or something. But it, it's got those low-end specs. It's got, it, like the Atom processor, it only has a 32 gigabyte uh, eMMC built-in storage, kind of standard for these sort of uh, cookie-cutter Atom systems. And it has wireless N, Bluetooth 4.0, so it has good connectivity. Only two USB ports, they're USB 2.0. I don't think this Baytrail T supports USB 3.0. I think that's why it's not there. And it's kind of interesting that it has a micro SD slot in the side, and it supports uh, the SDXC cards. So you can put huge micro SD cards in it if you wanted to spend, you know, half as much as the laptop to put a huge one in there. Yet, you could when you get say a, that, you've got to say she's got huge MMC RAM. So, yeah. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> one question. I mean, one question. I guess to bring I'll up. just give you some of the quick highlights, just for a second. Like the the screen is is not good. If you look at the little <laughs> color, uh, the CIE uh, color spectrum, it didn't hit it any. But it was it was pretty bad. Like the the reds aren't really there. It's very washed out looking. It was not accurate color, but it's a cheap TN panel. I couldn't find any specifics about it. Other than that, it was an AOU panel, and it's but it had surprisingly good that's, that's keyboard, pretty. and the trackpad's really good. That laptop, that? that screen might benefit from some calibration. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looks really bad. But I'm 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 trying to be fair. It's like okay, I only look at IPS screens all day. I have an IPS screen in my laptop and my desktop and. Uh, yeah. My TV, they're all IPS screens, so... We have TN panels here that get pretty close to the, that correct triangle <laughs> on that chart, though. Yeah. Now, is that triangle, is that 72% or is that 99% sRGB? The black triangle? Yeah. I believe that's 100% sRGB. Oh, is it 100%? Yeah, okay. that's yeah. a theoretical 100. Yeah. But that's... Wow. I don't even know what percent it's that works out blue. to. <laughs> it's it's very very blue green and there's like no real discernible reds. There's kind of some orange. So just red. just install flux on it, change the color temperature, and you'll have yeah. Make it to sunset <laughs> all the time <laughs> <laughs> to get the blue out of there. It's mm. like yeah, I've I've used some Windows based. I cannot remember the name of it, but there's a free software out there that gives you like some color bars and some different things where you can just sort of visually create your own color profile, and it works okay. So if you find something like that for free out there, you can make it look okay, and it's not terrible. Like, text is legible. It's a, it's a fairly sharp panel. It just doesn't have good color. Calibrating it would be difficult, considering a colorimeter would be about the cost of this laptop. Right. I mean, even yeah. even the cheap one, I mentioned that in the review, even the cheap, like, Spider uh, Basic is 59 bucks, I think. So that's not realistic at all. Like, no one, I wouldn't imagine anybody spending $200 on a laptop would then spend 60 to to 100 on a colorimeter yeah so and even if you found mind you unless you're talking office 2013 those apps are sort of biased towards blue so you might not even (laughs) notice but you know the keyboard it kind of felt like the the best ipad keyboard you've ever used like it's like a tablet keyboard 
So it's those those completely flat chiclet keys, but it's they were stronger than I thought they were going to be. They had a good key travel. It felt fine to type on it. And the trackpad was really good. One of the reasons I went for this one instead of the uh, Stream 11 was because I really liked what uh, Asus came out with with the UX305. That ZenBook, that's 699 It has an IPS, like 1080p screen and a 256-gig SSD, and it's got 8 gigs of memory standard. It's got just over-spec to the extreme for 699 is fantastic. And it's, it's been well-reviewed so far. I would love to get my hands on one. But this thing was kind of like its little brother. It, it's got some of the same, it has the same design language basically, except it's like a soft touch plastic instead of aluminum. But it actually felt really nice. It looks nice. It's slim. The HP stream looks a little toyish, I guess. It's kind of like a powder blue. But this thing's trackpad, they're, they're claiming that both of them have kind of a new sort of, they call it smartphone inspired. Yeah, trackpad, which is basically just a digitizer from a smartphone. And so they have this software that has a control panel that's very, very Mac-like. It looks like the one out of OS X. So you can do multi-finger gestures. There's one that looks kind of like the old expose, like the mission control, where you slide up with three fingers and it shows you all your apps you have running. You can rotate photos and things. And all these actually worked. I had occasionally some problems where... I'd li- open up the laptop from sleep, and then the touch wasn't working, so I had to restart it real quick. And then after that, I didn't have an issue for days. So I, I'm pretty sure this is just driver stuff for that particular version of 8.1 that I had. So that could be fixed with software, but the hardware seemed pretty solid. The only big gripe I had a- about it was in that last picture, if you're watching, where anything Screen. over 90 degrees with this laptop when you open it... yeah. Uh, it sits on the lid, and the, the 305 does that too, but the 305 has, like, rubber bumpers, and this one just has, like, little plastic tabs. So when you have it open, it's literally just, like, the, most of the weight of the laptop's on, like, these two thin little tabs. And I was terrified of scraping my table when I had it open. I was gouging it. It didn't really ever do it. I think they're rounded enough that it's not a big issue, but it was kind of weird. Like 2.5 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, and then another gripe I saw on the last page here was the storage performance. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you'd like that. I All I did was uh, unzip the file. I think I downloaded Cinebench because for some reason I thought I was going to use some real benchmarks on this thing, and then it was uh, it was painful to run, like, Cinebench, and I ran, like, uh, and a couple of other things. But anyway, I unzipped the file. And just while it was unzipping, it was really slow. And then it started copying the contents of the unzip file through Explorer to the destination folder. And it mm-hmm. slowed down to almost zero. And it would average around that 200 kilobytes a second that you see on the screenshot is about where it was going. Yeah, EMMC devices do not like anything even close to a random write. They just don't. They so that's well. that's the situation where you're like copying from the drive to itself. Would that well, be like a that should be sequential? But it looks like it was filling up whatever buffer, whatever RAM buffer Windows was allowing it on a copy, and then oh. like waiting for that to pay out to the EMMC drive. And is there a way to to change the settings in Windows to optimize for that? Do you think it sees it as a removable device? There, there's settings. I don't know if they would be enabled on the EMMC device, but you can go in Windows no. and you can turn on, like, disable write back or dis- disable buffer flushing. 
um, for like basically more aggressive caching uh, that Windows would do, but that only goes so far, right? You only have so much RAM to put the stuff in. Eventually, it's just gonna okay. have to wait on the EMMC device. Um, yeah. So, what do you guys think? Like between this and that, that. HP Stream 11, and I will say though, the HP Stream 11 for the same price includes a year of Office 365. And this one, you've got to pay like an extra 69 bucks for it. Huh. So, I mean, ask, if you were getting your Jeremy kid what he thinks a of laptop, what's that? <clears throat> what? Oh, it's about Jeremy Office 358 already this year. <laughs> it's not been a good year. <laughs> but hey, so you don't have to pay for it for this one. I don't know. I'm struggling to picture this in an office environment. But with, especially the storage performance, because I've got plenty of people that wouldn't recognize proper color calibration if if I slapped them with it, it just wouldn't sink in. But they want to be able to play their stupid YouTube videos and client videos. And this thing is going to struggle a little bit at that. And they're also going to want to be able to open up attachments like from email and copy it to their temp folder so they can read it. And from the sounds of it, this thing is going to be painful for them to try and use. Yeah. Just so did, for so being on the road. I don't so know. Did Peak Josh. Sebastian, is he what? here anymore? He's there. I'm here. Oh, okay. Everything was like locked up and it scurred me. Oh. I'm easily scurred. So obviously you can't upgrade the RAM or can you on this thing? No, it's all no. soldered to the board. Yeah. It's two gigs of like the low power DDR, like 1333. I'm guessing that, yeah. that EMMC is also soldered, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, in the comments I linked for somebody, I found a teardown on a website and they showed it. It's just like a tiny little board, kind of like a MacBook Air board. And the rest of the inside of this thing is basically battery. And yeah. So there's, there's no, you cannot upgrade it at all, except for the, uh, you can expand the memory through the SD slot. Yeah, it's not like that's going to be any slower than the built in storage. So, that's less yeah. of an issue. Might be yeah. From the sounds, faster, of it, it's be the SD slot, the SD slot would be faster on like random writes <laughs> as long as the card was decent. Um, yeah, although it might only be linked over uh, USB two. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So then, then you're only getting thirty six or whatever meg per second. Yeah, you are on the. That's all you're going to see. The MMC anyway, I think. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, for. To have a laptop, to like say that you have a laptop and you can install Windows applications on it, because I mean this is really priced against a Chromebook. It's not priced against regular laptops. Yeah. So is it? But I thought Chromebooks cost a thousand dollars now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I bet those have good that's, color calibration. I, I would hope so. <laughs> I want Google Docs to look perfect, like that. That Chrome logo, the red in it, it's magnificent on the yeah. Pixel. Except the green, I mean blue, part of their logo <clears throat> went cute on that laptop. Oh, all right. Uh, so D- doesn't Tillery's uh, <clears throat> icon have all those colors with the uh, the red arrow? It I don't know. Re- make it really pop out. Make you want to. Or your average hospital sign as well. Well, yeah, that too. Because they look the exact same. So pretty much, <sighs> this looks like this is a cheap laptop. Now, if you want the same thing without a screen, you can look towards the next side. Ah, that's true. And uh, save fifty bucks. Only and, fifty yeah. bucks, and you can save fifty bucks. Does that come with Office? No, uh, negatory. No Office. Nope. Mm. 
All right, so uh, Intel Compute Stick review. Yeah, Ryan, well, actually, Ken reviewed <laughs> this thing, and uh, I think Ryan wrote it up. But, yeah, this is essentially Sebastian's inner workings without a keyboard, a scratch Whoa. pad, a monitor, and a larger-sized case. This is This is what's inside stick. Sebastian? What? Yes. This is what's inside Sebastian? Exactly. Well, Sebastian and the stick. <laughs> with the 32 gigs of uh, EMM, uh, the uh, external SD, one USB port. I have limited upgradability. Yeah. <laughs> and this has two, two gigs of uh, the DDR3L1333. This thing is tiny. It's like, it's like one of the older flash sticks before they got really small. <laughs> I thought we had a picture in here somewhere of it sitting next to an SSD. Where is yeah, that? so it's, it's not as long as an SSD, but, uh, you know, one-third is wide. It's got the HDMI, obviously. Uh, it, it cannot be powered through HDMI. You have to actually power it through an external, uh, well, USB power support uh, supply that is provided by Intel oh. and their compute stick. Oh, but it has, a, it has a, a dongle, or it can be a dongle. That's an... Ex- it's an HDMI extension. Yep. Because it it's not going to fit into some yeah, TVs not. sideways. That's true. Yeah. So it's got an extension. It'll dongle off the back of your big TV and make you feel inadequate. So you got power, a USB, and somewhere on the other side is a micro SD. There it is. It's hiding. Come down. There you go, yep. micro SD slot. So it can handle the, the biggest micro SDs that uh, that are out there. <clears throat> um, this performance obviously is going to be nearly identical to what Sebastian did. It's the 2.2 SDP, uh, well, 2.2 watt SDP, and uh, it can boost up to f- five watts. And as Ken took it apart earlier, it's got a nice little heat sink and this really tiny fan. And does the fan make a lot of sound? Uh, so I benchmarked it and didn't notice it had a fan. So I, I, I'm inclined to say no, but now I can hear the fan spin up when it does. As very aggressive thermal throttling, though, I ran Prime 95 on it for a couple of minutes to try to get the fan to spin. And it, it, it spun up after about three minutes at 100% CPU usage, which is a totally unrealistic scenario for this machine particular type of yeah yeah so I, don't, I don't think the fan will were really you or spin. were you not listening to taylor swift at high volume levels while benchmarking this well that's kind of perpetual that's why we have alexa but right <laughs> yeah. she heard yeah. you show it up yeah. oh no oh no wait, she's listening go ken <laughs> so there's the there's ken's picture that he took earlier i don't know if it's gonna zoom properly oh man look at that heat sink oh yeah. Two colors. Tiny cool little fan. Yeah. Cool it real good. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so 2.2 yeah. watts is not huge. Five watts is a little bit better, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to get out of control. So performance on this was good. I mean, it boosted, it got up to, what, 1.8 gigahertz, I believe, is, is the max, which, uh, considering how small that is with quad core, that's pretty stinking good. Uh, it's an impressive little unit. It it doesn't have great graphics, but it has adequate. I mean, it's it's not going to blow 
anything really away, uh, especially, you know, the standard HD 4600s or any of AMD's kind of mobile <clears throat> GCN-based parts. But Ken can but play Super Meat Boy just fine. He can play. Well, Super it Meat didn't help my Super Meat Boy playing, but the game played fine. Oh, yeah. As if you look in the video review, you'll see my uh, Super Meat Boy footage. Really, really, really poor it's pretty good. Super Meat Boy. Yeah. I've got the picture up here, and then, yeah. Ken was over there dying repeatedly. Dying repeatedly in very gruesome, old school Prince of Persia kind of ways. Nice. On, on big saw blades and stuff. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the Netflix streaming picture here is uh, pretty interesting. CPU kind of can barely handle it, right? Uh, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, it looked, it looked fine. Flash or Silverlight streaming works fine. Yeah. But anything higher, you're probably pegging the CPU. Yeah, you, you could. We couldn't go to 1440p on YouTube. That was the limit. Yeah. And from the sounds and, of it, the keyboard and mouse functionality was a little bit annoying. <laughs> well, well, like for your, if you're going to plug it into a TV, which does seem to be the perfect usage scenario for this, you're, you're going to either have to initially have a wireless keyboard and mouse that can do a USB interface, so you can set the damn thing up. Yep. Or Ken tried. You're, you're, Ken tried no setting or. up. Cool. Yeah, there is no or. Uh, Ken tried setting up a Bluetooth. <laughs> what it would just Bluetooth mouse. mouse. Yeah, yeah. And and we're fumbling around the office looking for like a USB something or another so that we can plug it in so that we can say okay to the pairing for the Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah, because you can't. Right. It's and not horrible, but this sounds a little annoying. Yeah, it is kind of annoying. But I mean, what else? You know, I I can't imagine another. They're not going to design a hardware button into the thing just for that. I wouldn't imagine. Hey, what if they made something that you could control with your phone? Like you could you could plug it into the HDMI and then you could just like bring up content on your phone and send it to the device for thirty five dollars. That would be a great deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, so do we think this is overpriced at one hundred fifty dollars, considering what Sebastian just talked about? Considering you can get the same thing with a screen for fifty dollars more, yeah, with a screen and a keyboard and mouse and a really oh, big yeah, battery, relatively yeah. built and in you UPS. Could, you could set that laptop behind your TV and plug it in with an HDMI cable. Well, yeah, it has HDMI out, but it's like micro HDMI out. Yeah, yeah just need an adapter. You just need another dongle. <laughs> like you probably, if you want to use this for any sort of compute. Like desktop tasks, you need a USB hub. You just do. Yeah. And I mean, we tested Steam in home streaming, but you need better Wi Fi connectivity or a wired connection through the USB. So you can't do that and a controller and a keyboard. It did work through. It did. Once we hooked up a USB to Ethernet, it yeah. worked. It yeah, worked so we were fine. able to stream games. But like, are you are you taping this behind your TV with a USB hub? <laughs> and it's like, is, is that a powered hub at that point? It's. Is that a challenge? I mean, it seems a bit ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds like an accident waiting to happen, actually, not just a challenge. Gaff tape fixes all. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of gaff tape. I'm surrounded by gaff tape right now, actually. Because you really want to, you know, wrap that thing up in gaff tape, especially the airports and, you know, the fan intake. That's true. That's a good point. Although it took a lot to get that fan going. Like, Ken had to... I don't know what you eventually I'm pretty did. sure mummifying it in gaff tape will. <laughs> that would probably do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> that would do it. Kill it. Good so, I mean, you know, if it's your thing, if you really want something that's small connected to the back of your TV, 
the Linux version's what, like fifty bucks cheaper? I think it but it only has a gig yep. of RAM and eight gigs of storage. Yeah. But, but it probably want, only needs that. Yeah, if you wanted to do Steam in home streaming, you could prob you could run that on top of Linux, or if you wanted to run like a headless plex. Yeah. Or, or, like I think the Linux version would be a pretty cool option. Yeah, on the Windows side, it's like there's not really any kind of ten foot interface that comes with it because it's not Windows Media Center edition. So yeah, and I don't think you can upgrade Windows eight point one with Bing to yeah. Windows Media Center edition. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's no. a route. And you, then you could run XBMC or Kodi or whatever they call it now. Yeah. And then we were discussing, well, what if you just installed it yourself? And it's like, it's not a typical, I don't think it's a typical Windows install, maybe? Or? Yeah, I don't think you can change the OS on it. Maybe. If it's just an EMFC drive, maybe. That Leva that I, I had, uh, the X, actually both Levas, their EMMC storage was kind of the same thing, 32. Yeah. You know, and it came with uh, Windows pre-installed on one of them. And I, I went ahead and just wiped it out. Hmm. I tried a Windows 7 install and a Windows 8 install. Windows 8 was fine. I mean, it installed to the EMMC. It saw it as a drive option. I could format it. Oh, okay. Well, I know Windows 10 is supposed to be doing some tricks as far as making its install size much smaller. Um, by somehow Just assuming that... Compressed the files? Like transferring the compressed it, files it over? It does or? something like dynamically linking the uh, OS like system files and stuff as huh. like part of the image that's there or some, it gets some, somehow it gets around having to have like the whole OS image also sitting there along with you know all the files needed for the OS and in parallel so it's supposed to be reducing like the, the install size by like 5 or 10 gig or something crazy like that um, so hopefully Windows 10 launches with Media yeah. Center maybe hopefully <laughs> that would be kind of crappy if they just dropped Media Center edition with Windows 10 anyway I think it could come up with some really cool applications for this. Um, I think we're going to work on that, try to find some stuff, try to yeah. figure out some stuff. Because it's a cool product. It just, it you have to be a little creative, I think. Yeah. For the moment, it feels very niche Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's what the uh, Raspberry Pi is for. Exactly. It, yeah. It's, it's, yep. it's in that similar market. It's more expensive, obviously, but. You get a whole lot more. Yeah. That's yeah. true. All right, so that's it for reviews for this week. Uh, now, on to some news. First up is me, again. Well, I'll talk about it, but Ken did all the running around the office like a crazy man, with armed with an SSD 750. Literally every motherboard I could plug in. Yeah. He was just grabbing, like, this stuff would just disappear off my desk. It's like, where'd that <laughs> motherboard go? Oh, Ken's over there with the thing, and, you know, plugged it into pretty much everything uh, that we could. And then uh, here's a big picture of, well, some of the motherboards. Um, so, Ken, what's the gist of this? Uh, so, basically, if you have any motherboard with a UEFI, you'll be able to use the 750 or any other NVMe drive as an add-in card, as, yep. as a second drive letter in Windows. Mm-hmm. So, if you already have a 128-gig SSD and you want to add a faster secondary drive. You're not necessarily concerned about booting from it, but if you want a really fast mass storage drive, you can add it. You'll be fine. Okay. However, if you want to boot from it, you're... That's the trick. Yeah. Right. You're really going to have to make sure that the motherboard manufacturer has issued a BIOS update for it. Yeah. Yeah, because there's... Like, the BIOS has to support... We had had some comments, I think, in my 750 piece, and then also in that 951 piece, and... uh, People still seem to not get this about booting, and I think it's because everybody is just 
kind of locked into the whole, they're just used to booting SATA devices or they're used to booting PCIe devices that are AHCI, that have like standard option ROMs and things that have been around for so long that everything is standardized and it's just assumed that, oh, this just works. This is just something that works, right? But NVMe is, it's still the same physical spec. It's still the same kind of PCIe cards, but it talks to the system in a completely different way. It initializes a different way. So uh, even though you might be able to see a device once you're in Windows, because Windows 8.1 has a built-in NVMe driver, so it's able to see those devices, uh, it's not necessarily the same deal for your BIOS. But there was, what was that a really obscure AMD platform, though, that somehow... The Asus A88X Pro. Yeah. APU platform. It recognized... And as it, even though the BIOS is way old, right? No, it's that old. Oh. It, that's still a current motherboard. Okay. But I thought the BIOS was, like, not necessarily new or something on It there. was a pretty recent BIOS. However, it identified the drive as a PADA device. Yeah. Before I put a UEFI, like, installed Windows and had the UEFI bootloader on, in front of it, it said PADA. So that was Which a is bit weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hadn't but it seen was, that in a while. But it was somehow enough for the BIOS to latch onto that in order to be able to start the boot process from it. And then once Windows, like once that little spinny circle shows up on Windows 8.1 and gets, like if you ever see it like kind of pause a little bit in the middle there for a split second, that's actually Windows switching over into protected mode while it's booting. Um, So for the first like fraction of that boot, you're still in like your BIOS, just, you know. Firmware. Well, not firmware, but like your very low-level like OS kind of like just running off of the BIOS as, as far as talking to devices. Then once Windows switches over into protected mode, all your drivers kick in, everything that has to do with Windows kicks in, and it kind of reinitializes everything and reenumerates everything, and then it continues its boot, and then that's how you get into Windows. So the second half of that works fine with NVMe devices with Windows 8.1. The first half of that is the trick, right? That's where the BIOS has to be able to see it and boot from it. Um, so... The long and short here is you pretty much need to have Z97, X99, or one very obscure AMD. Or not obscure, but... Yeah, the, it doesn't make sense to put a $500 or $1,000 SSD on your $500 APU build. So you should probably just ignore that it works in the 88X. It's yeah. awesome that it does. <laughs> and if we ever see another AM3 Plus chipset, maybe someday, then it should work yep. by all means, but... And it was also like the the Addo run. Like once we did boot up on it, the Addo results looked really freaking weird. And then we installed the driver, the Intel driver, and then it looked just as we expected it to look. Yeah. So that was also interesting. Um, and then there were some situations where let's see what I don't remember which systems it was, but some systems only had a PCIe 2.0. Yeah. What was the true like? Uh, well, I mean, if you scroll down to the end, I think there's a table. Oh, with yeah. So if you look at the the motherboard chipset and CPU combinations that only provide 2.0, like these. So they intro- motherboard manufacturers introduced UEFI in the Sandy Bridge chipset. Yeah. And Sandy Bridge E. However, Sandy Bridge GPUs did not support PCI 3.0. If you have an Ivy Bridge or Ivy Bridge E in that system, it will. So the difference between that affects the oh. the speed because it's using the full 3.0 link. Okay. And it also gave us a handy number just to know, I guess, is uh, what is the 
you know, what is the end result maximum throughput you see on PCIe 2.0, and it works out to right at 1.5 gig per second PCIe 2.0 by 4. Because you can tell it just, it literally just hits a wall there, and the last five results of that addle run are the same exact number. So that's almost definitely uh, hitting a throughput bottleneck, if I've ever seen it, on something. Uh, so, you know, good to know. And moral of the story is, you know, you probably still need to have something pretty new if you plan on booting from it, since there's only three bottom entries in that table that were bootable. Um, it's, it's, it's really disappointing. It is, but it's a new thing, and, I mean, Intel did actually have to do a bunch of legwork even to make, like, to kind of push motherboard manufacturers, I would imagine, dragging their feet because they don't want to start engineering new stuff into their uh, BIOSes across God knows how many models of motherboards that each one of those companies does. It's going to be kind of interesting to see because <clears throat> MSI is releasing two new AM3 Plus models, the Crate 970 that was just released, as well as the 990FXA Gaming that is upcoming, but not quite here yet. Uh, those probably will have the full you know, 4 meg uh, UEFI units installed in there, so I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if those particular numbers will be able to boot this. Even though it's PCI 2.0, PCIe 2.0. Uh, I, they I, should I, have yeah, for more support. I, I would fully expect those boards to be able to boot them at this point because MSI was pretty aggressive with updating their UEFIs across the board on the Intel platforms. And if they're releasing new boards, I, I'd almost be sure of it. Yeah, I mean, that code should be pretty portable as far as, you know, it's just it's just a block of code that communicates with the NVMe device and actually gets some type of a low-level, uh, really low-level driver Um payload. It's able to actually read it from the device and then that's what the BIOS can use to communicate with the NVMe device until it gets into Windows protected mode and then it just, Windows takes over. Um, but, you know, it is a little bit more complicated than what everything used to be, which is just hey, just enumerate this SATA device. It's device number whatever. Okay, now just talk to it because all that stuff's, you know, already been in BIOSes for a very, very long time. Anyway. Uh, enough of that guy. What's up next? Acer. KR341CKA 21x9 G-Sync monitor. Oh, alright. And it has multiple inputs, which, wait a minute, that shouldn't be possible. Should it? Great. Hmm. Well, we don't know yet. And I, was it KR or XR? I think I had XR. Oh, it is XR. The, the, T, the TFT Central had this bit of news a week or so ago. There's two models. They reported on this in January initially. I don't know if they were showing this at, at CES or not. But Acer hasn't released anything official, at least publicly, about this. There's two models we now know. This is one of those 21.9 ultra-wide screen. I think it's the 3440 yet by 1440. And the slight difference in model numbers or names, an A or not an A, like CKA or CK, is going to easily allow customers to decipher the G-Sync versus the FreeSync model. So I don't know why they'd come out with virtually the same model number for two different, you know, refresh technologies. But the, 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 the panel in them is apparently identical. The difference is the implementation of free, or G-Sync. It's a G-Sync 2.0 or version 2 module, they think. Okay. And this the, the difference is, as far as we know... 
this thing has two inputs on it. And previous G-Sync, of course, is limited to just one input. So the question is, is version two of G-Sync going to be multi-display or multi-input, or is this using two discrete? Um, yeah, just two separate um, scalers, right? Or whatever so you want to call it. That could very well be. I guess there are already monitors that do that on the market. What if it was using a second scalar that supported FreeSync? Oh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, Could blown. they be selling the same monitor with two different model numbers and there's just a firmware difference? That would be interesting. Oh, that'd be And it would be really cool to see a dual mode monitor like that. One that just does FreeSync or yeah. G-Sync? Don't have to worry about what GPU yeah, that's you, true. you have or will buy in the future. That, yeah, that would be awesome. But they better do the proprietary. You want standard? I can take them both. They 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 better get the FreeSync implementation perfect on that one because it's a seventy-five hertz panel apparently. So it's I mean it, I think this was mentioned earlier. There are no hundred and twenty hertz or hundred and forty-four hertz uh, thirty-four forty by fourteen forty panels yet. Are there? Have you no. seen anything? No. So it's. I mean, especially with not that IPS. resolution, though. I mean, obviously, variable refresh helps a lot if you're running games at that native res with you know high settings, ultra settings. Yeah, you're never going to be coming close to 75 with a single GPU most of the time. Right. Well, we'll so keep an eye out. Yeah, just all speculation right now. TFT Central wouldn't commit to anything. They're just like possible. It's possibly a V2 G-Sync module, and this possibly has more than one input on it. So I don't think we have seen the other one that this is a variant of. Like I don't think we have that, right? Uh, no, not we've never got that one. Not in, an Acer twenty one by nine, no. Right, because that would be. I mean, it's there's not many panels that we get to like that. We know there's an identical one of that's not G Sync, like to compare it against. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not yeah. necessarily the like the same exact panel, so. Especially the one thing I would bring up is just that if you look at the market right now, Acer has been really aggressive on price. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, I talked about this, uh, you know, QHD Dell monitor that they're selling for like three sixty nine now, like a mainstream fourteen forty p monitor. But Acer has been selling one for two seventy nine for a couple months now. So also an IPS panel, also fourteen forty p. So they've been very aggressive on price. It would be interesting to see this come out as like a gaming monitor that you could do variable refresh with multiple graphics cards and have it be like $100 less than anything else. Yeah. I was also surprised uh, there when they launched that Acer Predator, that G-Sync monitor, which is basically an IPS version of the ROG Swift, and they launched it at like the same price that the Swift was selling for. Yeah. Like they did a pre-sale, and they were just like, this monitor is just like a step above the other guy. They didn't say that, but it, like, that's exactly what it was. It was an IPS version of a Swift. And Alan, uh, do you own this monitor? I did. I ended up buying it because it was like at that price. I was like, hell, I'll, I'll sell the Swift. And I'll just switch to that. And I did. I couldn't be happier. Because that's good stuff. I oh, I'm, I'm sure you could first. be happier. Alan Valentano, <laughs> I couldn't be happier. It is. It's like, it's IPS 144 hertz, 1440p panel. I mean, it's... Like, buy, buy, buy. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> <laughs> have you sold your Swift? I mean, do you still have that thing? Or? No, I got to put it on eBay. It's oh, in okay. the box. Get in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Um, 
Yeah, so cool. We'll keep an eye out on this and hopefully try to get both of those different panels in because that would be like a really good free sync versus G sync kind of, you know, comparison there. Definitely. Next, Game Bench. I'd never even heard of Game Bench. <laughs> I forgot to put this in the rundown. Uh, but supposedly they're comparing an iPhone 6 and a Galaxy S6 and real world mobile games testing. Battle of the Sixes. Um, Battle of the Sixes, they call it. Yeah, so right like that 70s TV game shows. Uh, yeah. I, I guess. So, I mean, what's who knows what's going on with this? Ryan wrote this, this guy up. Wow. Don't everybody talk at once. I encourage I you to it. go to PCPer.com and read the article. <laughs> the last thing I saw with the Galaxy S6 and iPhone 6 was somebody putting both into a boiling pot of water while still running and having well. a timer. Okay, which, kind of the so big thing about this longer? was just it was all about screen resolution because yes, the yes. iPhone 6 only has that, that weird like 11-something by right. 640 resolution, I think, so... So Even this, though it came out on top, there were questions, well, is it coming out on top because it just has a lower negative res? So, I mean, is, is, is the idea that this is basically fraps for these devices? Well, like that's just, sort of the neat thing about it is it's fraps for mobile OSs. Uh, it's uh, pretty much based on 3D Mark. I mean, some of the benchmark names are the same. Uh, but... They've got a couple of games I've never played because, well, I got a BlackBerry and it doesn't work as a phone, let alone play games. But <laughs> it's just kind of nice to be able to have a benchmark you can use for mobile devices that will run on all of them without screwing around with it. The fact that these devices are completely different, far much so, more so than a computer would be, uh, leads, of course, to the argument that uh, I'm just trying to find the screen density here. Yeah. So the S6 is 3.68 times more dense than the iPhone 6, but yet performs relatively close. Yeah, the iPhone 6 beats it, but then again, it's yeah. a lot of pixels to push. But I just think sort of a, a standardized benchmark to be able to put a mobile device against is kind of a good idea. That's true. You can argue that while... If you're trying to compare the GPU silicon to the GPU silicon, it's not a good comparison. But, like, you can't buy the GPU and add it to a phone. You have to compare device to device. Yeah, so yeah that's true. It's not a very good comparison, but I guess I can see somewhere where it's a little valid. Yeah, It's better than anything we've had before. Yeah. And, and Ryan's been messing with this app on and off for a couple of weeks now, I think. And I think you can get, like, frame time data and stuff. So stay tuned. I think it'll definitely help measure the quality of the gaming and what kind of experience you might expect across platforms. But until you can install the same OS on different hardware platforms, then you're never really going to have an apples to apples comparison on hardware. It's like the, the hardware in the iPhone six is so much more powerful. It's a different OS and the, the code for that game is different and the optimizations are different and the screen resolution is different. So. Hmm. Yeah. But at least the S six is mostly water resistant. But unless you, you know, update your iPhone 6, it'll then match that, right? Oh, yeah, there's nothing for that. Yes. They're still developing uh, hardware upgrades through software, I believe. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) All right. Next up. Let's see. Windows 10. AMD. 
No. And no, Windows no. 10. Windows 10. It, it is an AMD story, kind oh, it, of. It is an AMD story. Josh, take it away. All right, so AMD had their uh, conference call, well, their, their earnings call, and things were grim. Uh, they're doing some things like losing $189 million in the quarter. Uh, they've kind of stopped a lot of shipments because of inventory issues. Things are looking kind of grim until mm, later this year when Carrizo comes out, as well as new GPUs. But uh, I guess the other bad news was C-Micro, uh, their operations are being closed down, even though probably AMD will be still utilizing the technology with the Freedom Fabric and a lot of the stuff that uh, they already have in-house with that. Two other products, as it is, these dense microservers are, are kind of dead. But one of the interesting things was uh, Lisa Sue was talking about end of July, Windows 10 should be out and will have a good effect on their business, they believe. So we hadn't heard any uh, real concrete evidence from Microsoft when this product was going to be released. A lot of people thought it would be sometime in the summer, but uh, near the end of July seems to be the winning date at this point. But we're unsure because of the amount of issues that people are having with Windows 10 right now. So can they fix it all by then, Sebastian? They can, and they will. Oh. Or not. They could very well, really, they could very well release a mostly finished OS. I think Paul Therod had talked about this on his website uh, after this kind of was had been run around on Twitter a little bit the day of the, this announcement. And he's he just had some thoughts laid out, and basically it was the, the concepts we used to have about release to manufacturing and the gold master and delivering the product to the OEMs, those are all just, they're antiquated. So what they do now is they deliver the newest code base they have. Uh, by the time it's ready for an OEM to install on, on machines, you know, they, that whatever version that is, whatever build number that is, goes to the customer who can then connect it to the internet and download the latest build. You know, it's... It's a fluid thing now, kind of. So they, they don't have to be 100% done to say this is going to the OEMs as yeah. an RTM. I don't know how they're going to end up enumerating it, but I think, they're, I think service pack is going to be a thing of the past, too. You know, because it's just supposed to be like, the big deal is supposed to be it's just Windows 10, just moving forward. Like, right, on, across all platforms, too. Yeah. And then that's just going to stay, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to stay at that number, but like, from the sounds of it, they just want to keep, like, that's just it. Like, and then... That the only other ish, the only other variable is have you updated it to the most recent version that's come out? You know the most recent update. Um, kind of yeah, like the, it's like always easy to tell which version of Office you're on by that 18 character string. Yeah, that I mean, they don't actually do anything. But I mean, like Scott said, they're they're totally ready for prime time right now. I mean, the fact that they can't launch 32 uh, bit apps off the start menu that's that's nothing. Hmm. I didn't know that was an issue. <laughs> well, the, his from this morning in HipChat, oh. uh, the newest build has some small problems. Just a tiny problem. It, you know, there was a couple of builds ago that my start menu you couldn't type anything in the search. Who needs a start menu? Just like you hit start and then you start typing something because you want to search and it just it, it, there is no typing. There's there's only Zool. <laughs> Zool. <laughs> anyway, uh, was there a spoon? But at least was there a spoon? Maybe there might have been. Okay, I might have hit there it with a spoon. spoon. Mm. Um, so I mean that you know that's 
that's cool. I'm, I'm still kind of wondering if them slipping July, maybe that was kind of, I don't want to call it like an RTM or a gold, but maybe that was kind of a soft, like this is our cutoff for sending something to the OEMs to start putting on systems. They'll just ship them their latest beta build. It's like, here you go. Well, that, but you know, kind of, maybe they're trying to pull kind of like what they did with Windows Millennium Edition, which actually was like just a beta build that they just said, oh, that's it. We're calling this one final. Oh, you're being kind calling it a beta. There's just, there's just, yeah. I think, I think that was the one that I was in the beta program on. And it was just like, everyone was like in the rhythm of, oh, yeah, there's this bug and this bug and we're working on this and this. And then all of a sudden it was just like, hey, we're shipping it. Oh, wait a minute. What? And like, he heard a record like, skip and all sorts of stuff happened and then everybody hated windows emmy anyway ah oh, enough of that hopefully the memories yeah oh, the memories i never messed around with that os nearly enough <laughs> oh consider yes, yourself you consider yourself blessed that <laughs> you never did that you didn't immediately go back to 98 se and actually have working drivers again one of their best <laughs> ever you could do that so many was... things with that os it wasn't even funny oh yeah <sighs> anyway, Gigabyte is going to host an X99 Champion Challenge on what? Hardware bot? What is that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Who knows about this, Sebastian? I, I I know a little bit about it. I'm not real familiar with Hardware Bot, but they're. There, I imagine there's some sort of online validation. This is not like a, a hosted event somewhere that you have to travel to, I don't believe. You just have to have a Gigabyte X99 motherboard and meet some of these requirements. There's these different stages. It runs all through the month of May, May 1st through 31st. As you can see, there's different uh, events, basically. You're trying to overclock CPUs and graphics cards to Wait, certain Wait, they're being mean numbers. to you. What's that? They're, Gigabyte's making this one hard. They're, they're being mean to you. If, if you look at it, the stage one gives you a maximum CPU frequency and maximum RAM frequency. Okay. And you have to use the X99 motherboard. Apart from that, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. So you can tweak your graphics card up a bit. You can certainly screw with the timings on your RAM. Uh-huh. But as you can see, it starts out at 4 and uh, 3.3 gigahertz. And then as the stages go on, you hit stage three where it's five gigahertz max, no top on the RAM. Stage two, it's four and a half gigahertz on the CPU, and the uncore has to stay at 4.5 gigahertz. Right. So the idea is that not only do you have to get the best score on this, they're also giving out three lucky prizes to contestants that entered but didn't win anything. And just to make it even more complicated, the way that that's broken down is by people whose CPU freq- or CPU temperature was 25 degrees Celsius or higher, one for 25 degrees Celsius or lower, and one just sort of grab bag. So this isn't just overclocking to get the best score. This is overclocking in very certain set scenarios and still trying to get the best score. I, and the last ones are just mean. Like, flat out mean. Your, your best overclock on a GT730? GTX 730? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got to use the motherboard. But apart from that, 
go for it. So you know when you bought that Gigabyte X99 motherboard, and then of course you picked up that GT730 <laughs> with it. Of course. So you've got this hardware laying around. Now you could win money. Do we even have that? Right. Do we have a Mark sure 2001 SE? Does that even run on a modern operating system anymore? Who says you're running a well, modern operating system? That's true. There's, there's no, <laughs> that's nothing about OSs on there, is there? Windows ME. Yeah, no, buddy. 98 Checkmate. SE. Come on. <laughs> but I, I hate that. It's an interesting I can't install it on my modern SATA-based uh, equipment, but... Use yeah, that new runs, Samsung right? drive. It'll show up as a PADA device. Yeah, yeah. it'll just be UDMA <laughs> 25. 133 <laughs> <laughs> times 17. But I don't know. It's an interesting way of doing an overclocking competition because instead of just saying, hey, fastest score wins, it's, no, you've got to stay within this and start really knowing how to screw around with your motherboard, with your graphics card, to get the absolute most in a very limited scenario of operations and hey 1600 bucks for first place 800 for seconds 500 for third for all six of those competitions and the lucky draws are three different motherboards uh up to and including like a champion sign up to hardware bot and if you've got this hardware play around with it see what you can do it could be fun interesting i'm Mm, open interesting i'm opening up Mm. the picks all right, so uh, are we actually doing? Are we talking about Ryan's pick? I don't know what it is because I didn't put it in there. I don't. So. Uh, that's Fatberg. Fatberg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking earlier about the uh, wet wipes replacing yep. toilet paper. It seems that a forty-ton piece of fat and wet wipes lodged itself in the sewers of London. Oh, oh ten ton. Ten tons. Ten, ten tons. Ton, that's meters. still a lot of sh- ten metric tons. tons. Yeah, it's metric, you know, because of London. Is this yeah. like a steatorrhea situation? I don't even know. Like what? Oh, oh look! Wait, oh my god! Is that it? That looks horrific. <laughs> yeah. Is it? No, in- that's that's not the clog. Oh. They can get through that. Okay. Okay. Let's let's fast forward. Fast forward. Looks like Doom Three if you turn the lights on. Is is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> hey, look! There's the clog. Is that? And then it can't just, go further. There's your problem. There's your problem right there. <laughs> that's that's disgusting. And it broke the sewer. All right. Again. How do they get rid step. of that? They uh, dig it out. Blow it up. They get rid of it with this right yeah. here. Are you, are you familiar with the colonoscopy? Uh, you know, you spend like half a million bucks. And that's how you get rid of it. More. Yeah, definitely more. Exchange rate. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's a million approaching bucks. a million. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, this was Ryan's pick. Blame Ryan. Uh, I don't know. Was it actually his pick, or did somebody slip it in there on him? Oh, I'm pretty sure that's why he went to the UK, isn't it? Because uh, he was clearing that for him? Yeah. No, because he was making He, he it. wanted to import his own special brand of wet wipes to add to the problem. Yeah. All right. Next up is Jeremy. <laughs> Okay, now I wanted to hate this case when I first saw Hard OCP review it, and I was thinking, all right, maybe this is one that's worth linking to. And strangely enough, the the damn thing actually turned out to be not only rather effective, but got to be one of the most unique-looking cases I have seen in a while. And right now it's on sale uh, on Newegg for 30 bucks. 30 bucks for a decent case is 
a little bit crazy for anything. And in this case, when H was finished reviewing it, seriously good cooling. Uh, we're very disappointed that those fan-looking things on the very top are not actual fans. They're just decoration. But it's 30 bucks. It will fit just about anything you want into it and had actually really, really high-level cooling on it. Uh, especially because of the partitioned inside of the case. A lot of toolless stuff. I mean, I don't know if I'd run out and buy it, but for modders, this is probably actually a really nice starting spot. You could do a lot with that. And it's on Newegg for... 30 bucks. 60 bucks with a $20 mail-in rebate. Or, sorry, 40 bucks. 40 bucks. Yeah. Oh, now it's not worth it. 40 bucks for that is not too bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. And check out the link on the uh, podcast notes for the review. All right. And then, Josh. Me. Look at how he has grown. That's He's much larger. That's not a hyena. Your cat has the mange. He does. Cody's gotten bigger. Darn the dog. Eyes on that guy. I know. It's the ghost-eyed dog. It's true. Look. Look. Look up here. Look up, Dad. What's that? Wow. Oh, hi, that's Cody. weird. Treat? What's that? that? Treat? It's like no the one treat. eye is blue and the other eye is... Half blue and half brown. That's He's a good dog. Creepy. Unless you were using dog. Sebastian's laptop, in which case they'd both be blue. Yep. <laughs> we do yes. this podcast in black and white, right? Uh, are you watching it on that laptop, Sebastian? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I... I discovered a, uh, a program called Hyena. It's for uh, people doing sysadmin type stuff. It shows everything you could possibly want about your enterprise network. Well, or nearly enough. I mean, shares, users, everything you want. And uh, it's a little expensive. It's like 230 bucks a license. But if you're actually doing sysadmin stuff, this is kind of nice. Client license or admin license? What's that? Client license or admin license? Admin license. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's peanuts as compared to other things. Like, say, Adobe Acrobat, full version. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, uh, you know, for the price of that, easily. Huh. You two could have a puppy. Look at the puppy. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, there's my choice. Right. He needs to go to the bathroom now on my lap. So uh, as long as they hold up to their end of the bargain, uh, as promised, Samsung said they were releasing that update for the 840 Evos that we reviewed uh, a little over a week ago, I think, now. Uh, They're supposed to to be coming out with it, like, by the end of the month. That was the quote. And... It's the last week of the month. Did you make your pick something that isn't doesn't exist? It, but it, but it should. Oh, Hopefully, it by should. the time people have listened to this, I'm hoping. So, if you see the thing you're looking for is ma- either Magician 4.6, or for there to be a different version, uh, this this whole SSD performance restoration software thing, that should probably end up just going away and then they would just like update the firmware for the 840 Evo to, uh, it'll be EXT0D. It'll go from B to D. 
because the performance restoration one was C. So you're supposed to be able to just be able to skip all that. Just go do this update, and it'll just go fast again. Hopefully. Just go to that page and hit refresh. Just keep hit refresh. Yeah. It's all the fun of gambling without the crushing debt. Yeah. Just hit refresh. It's like playing the slots. Just refresh, refresh. Oh, still 4.5. Refresh. You will eventually win. Eventually. You'll eventually win free software. Free software that will make your SSD do what it was supposed to do a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yes. Isn't that kind of like Space Quest? Getting you go into the bar and you got to make enough money for your ship. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And my yep. mother, she just never left the bar because she's a slot machine. Lo- loves gambling so much. Yeah. She ship yeah. faced. She would just reload and play the gambling machine, of course, until the guns would come out and shoot her. But <laughs> That's a pretty awesome story, actually. Yeah. Wow. Way to go, Mom. I'm so proud. <sighs> All right, Sebastian. Fractal Design. Uh, this week, actually, I think it was Monday, they announced a new case. It's in the Define series, and it's the Define S. With a and window. And this is basically a revised version of the Define R5. It's a smaller version. They've eliminated optical drive bays. They have some interesting stuff for their storage all behind the motherboard now, including the 3.5-inch drives. And the reason I picked it this week, not only is it a really cool-looking case, but I have one of these uh-huh. here right now. And I'm going to be working on this review and putting some some really powerful hardware in it and seeing how well it cools and how quiet it stays. Because the, the R5, when I reviewed it, I didn't have really high-end hardware at the time to put in it. And uh, it wasn't a real great test. It was still the quietest case I've ever tested, but this thing has... The same design principles, tons of cooling support, and it's got that clean internal layout of a case that doesn't have to support five and a quarter inch bays anymore. So, are those three drive brackets sitting on the back? Yeah, huh. there's a. They have a cool video on their site about it. If you follow the link in the show notes, what are those other two things below the uh, CPU area? Are the those SSD mounts. Oh, well, those are okay. Nice. So everything comes off like it. It's pretty much toolless, or it's it's you. You have like thumb screws to attach the hard drives, and they like kind of like. Uh, so so these are two and a half inch in. bays, and then these yeah. are three three and a half inch bays. Yes, hmm. that's interesting. So that's your storage. It's all behind the motherboard. So you have one hundred percent free reign to do anything on the other side. You yeah. can put reservoirs, anything? huge radiators, anything. anything. That's, that's anything. Really nice. Can I put my cat in there? Yep. Yeah. I like the cable management little uh, Velcro strap thingies here too. That was cool. The R five had that too. It was it was already there. So you just like unvelcro it, throw your cables in there, velcro it again. It's the easiest cable management I've ever used. Huh. This is a pretty nice case. The R5 was probably the best case overall, other than the other than the uh, N case M1 that I've ever used. So this is kind of promising to be. If it's anything like the R5, if it's just a smaller version with this new layout, it'll be one of the best cases probably I've ever tested. But we'll see. Make sure to put little booties on the feet so it doesn't scratch your table. Yeah. Oh, it has like rubber feet. Oh, okay. So. My table's already scratched up. I just <laughs> you've given up. It was from that laptop. Given up. Yeah, yeah. It's all just that one laptop. There's just two two little groove lines going back and forth. 
all over. All right, well, I guess that wraps it up. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you happen to be listening to just this one. I made it all the way to the end. Highly doubtful, but I know. You're part of an elite group. Yes, you are. You made it this far. You are part of the PC Per Illuminati if you have made it all the way to the end. Um, PCPer.com slash podcast. That's where you're going to find the show notes, the links to all the stuff we talked about. Um, you can follow the boss at Twitter.com slash Ryan Shrout. You can follow me at slash Malventano. You can follow Sebastian at at Sebastian Peak and Josh at Josh D. Walrath and Jeremy at at Jeremy Hellstrom. No, I was expecting like I don't Twitter. I'm all old and stuff. Well, he uses oh, a no, black Twitter about so I wouldn't Scotch expect and sci-fi and all right and very little and Gamergate. Oh, and Ken is at <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Where's Ken at? It will remain a mystery. Oh, okay, because nobody will be able to guess. Ken Addison. It's just at Ken. He was on Twitter so early he got at Ken. Yeah, it's just, it's just slash Ken the intern at PC Per. <laughs> yeah, all one word. All or one their word. underscores. Yes. Ken the intern at PC Per. And he started to write perspective and he ran out of letters. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. And if you want to send a tweet to him, you just run out of the letters just by adding him. But you have to do it in it. the same it's, order. You can send him like one letter after all that big string. Anyway. Uh... Oh, yeah, and uh, Twitter.com slash PCPer. Don't forget that one, because that's where we put all the links to all the articles and the news as they go up and stuff. And I guess that's it. So I'm Alan Malventano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm at Sebastian Peake. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, guys.